Hey guys, welcome back to a new episode of Those Murder Girls Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Raina. And I'm Marie. How is everyone's 2021 starting? Exactly like 2020. I was really shooting for a big change this year, but it just kind of feels like 2020 just carried right on over. It's exactly what happened. So thank you guys for joining us this week as usual. We love all of your support from all of our listeners, all your interactions that we get online. Lots of emails we've been getting lately questions regarding some cases that we've covered and like we just love it thanks guys keep on coming (laughs) if you guys aren't already please follow us on social media we are on facebook and instagram at those murder girls podcast we drop some bloody birthdays on our accounts and if you guys share a birthday comment on our post and we'll send you a those murder girls tumblr and some little birthday surprises from us (laughs) So guys, this case that we're going to cover today has everything from lies to cover-ups to how a prank slash kind of a joke may have actually been the reason for this woman's murder. Some small town preacher actions in there who actually might be hiding some pretty serious sins and lies as to what happened to our poor victim. So sit back, relax. (laughs) Try to at least. (laughs) We are headed to Tulsa, Oklahoma to tell you the story of Dina Dean. Our story takes place in 1989 and 22 years later, we still don't have a conviction, but are closer than ever, according to law enforcement, to exposing what really happened to Dina. So Murray, get us started. So Dina Dean was just 16 years old at the time when she was last seen at 9 p.m. on June 6, 1988, outside of her friend's work at the local's Marvin's Food Store. She would be found six days later in a field next to a pond just two miles away from her last known location, and her death was immediately ruled as a homicide by the coroner. Dina was a typical teen. She didn't really have any known enemies, so I think the big question off the bat was who would want Dina dead? Like we said, this case has not been solved to this day, but there are plenty of suspects. So we're going to lay out the case as it is now and let you guys decide who you think was involved in her tragic murder. Dina Dean was born February 26, 1982 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She lived with her parents, Diana and Larry Dean. She was known as a daddy's girl, and she was actually a spitting image of her mom. You guys can see the photos on our social media. Dina was an honor student at Webster High School, and she was an active part of the marching band. She knew from a very, very young age that she wanted to be an attorney. She had her sights set on that goal, and that was kind of until about her teenage years. And, well, that's when boys came into the picture. Kind of typical, all these goals, and then the cute boy from down the street starts noticing you. And whoosh, out the window your goals go, in the window he comes. There they go. Here you Oh, That's a good analogy of way to put it. <laughs> that's kind of all that matters, right? I was severely boy crazy when I was growing up, so... That doesn't really surprise me. (laughs) So while Dina's parents knew she was dating boys, they weren't familiar with a particular boy, an older boy that she had been seeing. And one of her close friends said that Dina probably didn't divulge the information about this boy to her parents because she knew right off the bat that there was no way that they were going to approve of him. Dina was seeing a boy by the name of Michael Converse. He was 18 years old and was working as a checker at Marvin's Foods. Michael was also the son of a local preacher. Isn't that a song? 
Oh, son of Wait, a preacher. Son of a, yeah. It is. <laughs> So he didn't preach in church. His dad, though, didn't preach in a church. He instead would preach out of his home and he would record his sermons. I don't mean to laugh, you guys, but you have to go on YouTube. Please. This guy is out of his mind. And it's. You guys, just I don't watch even it. know. It's, it's, it's intense. There are no words. It's super intense. It's super uncomfortable. And I couldn't close my browser fast enough. So. Michael, the son, was pretty much like this little ladies' man. He was known, this hurts to say, but this is how he was described, as a teenage Casanova. Like, I, I can't. It's hard to say without laughing. I mean, teenage Casanova, that's like, that's a big title there. And Is based, it self-proclaimed? I don't know, but based off that nickname, I would have never given him the time of day. No, hell no. <laughs> so there was this local spot in town called Lover's Lane, and it's where all the teenagers would hang out. And Lover's Lane was this huge woody area. And it was actually really close to Michael's house, which is lucky for him, Lover's Lane, all these ladies, Casanova. Oh, my God. This is so dumb. That sounds so much better than like when I was growing up in uh, a really, really small town. We would go hang out at the local reservoir. There was like no water in it. And our friends would be like, yeah, let's go hang out at the reservoir. And it's like the cool thing. It's so small town. Lover's Lane just sounds so much more romantic than the reservoir. (laughs) Dina was very into Michael. Like, she was very, very into him. This is what her friend said. But being known as the teenage Casanova around town, I don't think that Michael was that much into her, you know? So Dina, whether upset that maybe Michael didn't show the same feelings for her or, he, you know, he didn't do enough for her as much as she did for him, whatever the case may be, she tells Michael that she's pregnant with his baby. Here's the problem. Dina's not pregnant at all. So she lied to him and she made up this story about being pregnant with his child. Like I said, whether it be for attention or maybe to try and shake him a little bit from seeing other women, whatever Dina's reasoning was behind telling him that lie, like, unfortunately, we're never going to know. One of Dina's close friends told investigators that Dina was possibly upset that Michael had been ignoring her and he wasn't paying enough attention to her. So she wanted to shake him up by lying and saying, like, hey, I'm pregnant with your baby. That's crazy. I get it. She's, like, heartbroken. You're, like, totally into this guy. He's ignoring you. I don't know. But to lie about being pregnant? That's a pretty big lie. That's a pretty big lie. But then again, you're young and you don't think, like, what is the consequence? You know what I mean? Yeah. You just want to find out attention back. Yeah, that's true. So two days after Dina tells Michael this news, he asks her to meet him outside of his work at that local Marvin's food warehouse, and it was located off Skelly Drive in Tulsa. He said that he was off around 10 p.m., and he wanted her to meet him in the parking lot to which she agreed to. So she gets off work. She worked at the local Arby's there, and she lets her mom know that she was going to meet a, quote, friend. Now, she did tell her mom that the friend was Michael, His name was Michael, but the parents didn't know him. So she asked if that was okay, and her mother said yes, but they didn't want her leaving that grocery store parking lot because, you know, Diana and Larry had never met Michael. They don't know what type of guy he is. So, yes, she was allowed to meet up with him outside of the work in the parking lot, but she needed to be home between 10.30 and 11 p.m., and this was the night of June 6, 1998. 
And that was also the night that Dina never came home. So it's 11 p.m. and Larry and Diana were having this super uneasy feeling at home. They knew that something was wrong and they hadn't heard from their daughter and they just knew it wasn't like her to not be home on time. She was super responsible. So at around midnight, Dina's parents get a call from a, from one of Dina's friends saying that they had spotted her car in the grocery store parking lot, but that they didn't see Dina inside or around it, and the store was closed. So Larry heads over to the parking lot, and sure enough, he finds Dina's car there, and the windows were rolled down, which was not normal. The car was unlocked. There were receipts on the seat inside of the car that put Dina inside of the grocery store that night, and he also finds her wallet and an uneaten sandwich that she had bought inside of the grocery store. So immediately, Larry is frantic. He calls the police, and he starts looking for Dina driving all around town to like any spot he can go to to try to find her, and he can't find her, no sign of her anywhere. So the cops start asking for witness statements from anybody who was in the parking lot that night that may have seen Dina. And one witness said that they saw a girl that resembled Dina in the parking lot and that she was fighting with somebody in a red pickup truck. They had been screaming at each other, but they couldn't see exactly who was inside the truck. Only that they saw two men. Well, funny little fact is that Brian conveniently owns his own red pickup truck. So initially the cops thought A, she was a runaway, or B, she had been kidnapped or trafficked. But those theories, they quickly fizzled out as the investigation into her disappearance went on. So while the search for Dina continues, her mother finds a note. And this is going to be the note. Dina wrote a note to Michael saying that she was pregnant and her mom notices that the note was dated two days prior to Dina's disappearance. As a mother myself coming across a note like that I immediately would be like Michael has something to do with her disappearance. She's missing. There's this note saying she's pregnant dated two days prior but like Dina's mom didn't know that she actually was not pregnant. She was just lying about it. It's got to be so confusing for her mother just in that moment I can't imagine what would be going through my head yeah so obviously the cops want to talk to Michael I mean he was the last person that she had contact with when she arranged to meet him at his work so investigators have some questions well let me just say that their interview with Michael was way more than strange Michael tells the police that he has no idea who Dina even is shut up yeah <laughs> He's like, Dina who? Who's Dina? Never heard of her. Never been around her. Yeah, he totally goes on to tell the cops that he definitely did not see her the night she went missing because he was out bowling at a local bowling alley. Just totally suspicious. Mm -hmm. But cops already knew when Michael said that he had never seen her, you know, was a lie off the gate because she had that receipt in her car that put Dina in his checkout line in the store. So, Michael, you're a liar. So they decide to check out his other alibi for the bowling alley. Now, in the meantime, Dina is still nowhere to be found. And June in Oklahoma is hot as hell and humid. So if she was out there stranded somewhere in Oklahoma, the elements of nature were not on the cop's side. They needed to find her and they needed to find her fast. So cops revisit the theory that possibly 
it was maybe just some random abduction. And the perpetrator happened to have a red pickup truck like Michael, which I don't think so. Right. Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Yeah. So as the days pass, the family, they begin to really start losing hope that Dina's even alive. And her mother just gets this intuition that somehow this fake pregnancy prank Dina played on Michael was tied to her disappearance. That's what I would think. Yeah. So the cops circle back to Michael and they ask him to come down and take a lie detector test just so, you know, they can rule him out as a suspect. Michael obliges and doesn't take not one, but two polygraph tests. And he failed both. (laughs) Not just bad, like horribly. (laughs) No bueno, Michael. So they don't have enough to hold Michael based off of those failed tests. But they do start to piece together that evening, Mike backtracking Michael's footsteps and all of his last known locations. They are able to conclude that Michael was working at the grocery store, the same one that Dina went into again, that he was at the local bowling alley and he was at home later. Well, remember the little place called Lover's Lane that's close to Michael's house? Cops narrow down the search area to that field near Lover's Lane and six days after Dina was last seen alive, they find her body at Lover's Lane in the field. And her body is so decomposed and brutally mutilated. You guys, her entire jaw had been snapped. Not just a fracture, but completely like snapped and broken. She was so badly decomposed that the coroner could not determine a cause of death with her. And again, it was June in Oklahoma and the length of time that she had been out in the field, the elements had just stripped away any possible evidence or DNA that had that could have been left behind. I was watching. So sad. Yeah. We were watching an interview that the parents did uh, while we were researching the case and just the pain in their eyes is on it was an unbearable interview oh, to watch. Her dad in one of the interviews could hardly breathe. Was he was so just sad. so devastated, as you can imagine. But, like, he couldn't even hold himself together for the TV cameras, you know? So sad. So the autopsy does confirm that Dina was not pregnant. So all of this, possibly, if Michael was involved, was for nothing. <clears throat> you know? Pretty he sure went- Michael's involved. <laughs> yeah, right? So now the cops have to figure out what happened, who killed her. Clearly, Michael's looking like a good suspect. He was at the same place as her that night, has a red truck, eyewitnesses seen the red truck, seen somebody fighting with her. Her body is found mutilated super close by to his house. Like totally not looking good for Michael. Yeah, but the cops got to prove it. So like we said, this story uh, is still not solved, but we're about to throw in another possible suspect. And guess who it is? None other than Michael's own father, the town minister who (laughs) preaches out of his living room. Because that's normal. Yeah. So Robert Converse is also entangled in this case, and we're going to tell you how. The night that Dina was last seen on surveillance footage at the grocery store buying some snacks, there was someone else in the grocery store that night. Mr. Minister himself, Robert Converse, was caught on security tapes inside the grocery store that evening. Now, Mr. Minister walked in 20 minutes prior to Michael getting off shift, which was actually 20 minutes prior to Dina last being seen technically on surveillance. So 
Remember, the eyewitness in the parking lot said that she saw two people in Michael's truck that night, not one person. Oh, Michael. Michael and her his father, father. Red truck. Yep. Mm. So now the question is, what was the reverend conveniently doing at that same store that evening? So investigators say that the morning after Dina went missing, Mr. Minister showed up at his son Michael's place of work, the grocery store. And he came in asking for his son's time card. And it was like the old ones that you like punch a card, you like pull it in and pull it out. So he had asked for the card for the night prior, the night that Dina went missing. Like for one, why would you walk in asking for your son's time card for that night, let alone any night? That's suspicious. Like how suspect (laughs) can you be? You can't get any more suspect than that. No. And then like as he's standing there like waiting or talking to somebody, he notices a soda bottle that is in the trash can next to his son's like regular register and he asks them to hand him that trash that bottle in the trash so it's pretty strange because investigators you know if they can't get someone to provide dna they'll just wait until somebody like discards something in the trash and then they can seize it right so robert was like oh hell no they're not going to seize that water bottle if anybody's going to take it i am and wouldn't the person at the <laughs> store, like if I was working there and I'd be like, there Ew. was a person that went missing the night prior and you come up and you say, sorry, can I have this, this and that, please? I, immediately I'd be like, why? Right. And I want to know why the why the store didn't take their trash out. That just grosses me out. Sorry. It's <laughs> an important question. <laughs> it is. Take your trash out, Marvins. <laughs> but yeah, totally. This guy, I mean, he's not, he's not a good. I want your time card murderer. and I want the soda. I want the soda bottle. Like, <laughs> right. And can you hold this gun real quick? Anything else? <laughs> Here's a bullet too. I don't want that on me. Like yeah. what? So investigators, they questioned Robert and he had said that he'd never seen Dina just like his son has stated. Mm. And. <laughs> That he didn't have any interaction with her whatsoever. Didn't know her, never seen her, nothing. This okay. all obviously a lie. Converse family. <laughs> right. Father and son duo. So there are quite a few theories of way what have, you know, possibly led to Dina's murder. And frankly, I think the most, personally me, the most plausible one is that, yes, Michael thought she was pregnant. He told his minister father. His father helped him murder Dina. I mean, he was a preacher. He didn't want people knowing about this pregnancy. And Michael, he probably thought this would ruin the rest of his life, so they had to get rid of her. Police are still actively looking into Dina's case, and they are determined. You guys, the interviews that we've watched, like, they are determined to solve this case. Even though it's been 22 years, this case is legit at the top of their minds. So they didn't have the DNA technology like we do now, which I feel like we say that in a lot of our cases. Exactly. They don't have the DNA technology. I know. But I'm just so glad that we, we do, do have, now. Right? Which comes in. Yes. Keep going. <laughs> so unfortunately, the Converse duo father-son's fingerprints, they were not left behind at the crime scene. But police said that they have new ways now to look over the DNA evidence. They are using a system called familial DNA. Now, it's a tool that's used to match DNA families. So, like, for instance, if they were to run my DNA 
I might not pop up as like a perfect match for the crime, but like somebody within my family could. That is so freaking cool. Genius, right? It's all those people swabbing their mouths and sending them to the genealogy site. Have you done it? No, I haven't done it yet. Oh, I I have. I forget a little bit. (laughs) I would like to know my heritage. What did you do? Marie's a criminal. (laughs) What if I'm tied to a murder? So the cops ended up running DNA that was left behind at the scene. Well, this DNA hit connected to someone in that Converse family. Now, there are rumors mm. that it might have been the uncle that I read. I don't know. We're not going to bring you into this uncle because we don't know. But somebody in the family's DNA matched. So investigators in this case have served a ton of search warrants. And they have followed up on more leads than like they can even count. They are going to continue using that DNA technology on Dina's clothes. And they are confident that her clothes are going to bring them the break that they need to solve the murder. They have served super fresh DNA search warrants um, at the minister's home within like the past couple of years. The cops have also said that they have met with a local DA and that they're preparing themselves to be ready for prosecution. So it's literally like just a matter of time. They're so close to getting exactly what they need. And Marie and I Google this case like multiple times a week just waiting to see the arrest of Michael and his dad for this murder. It's only a matter of time, I feel like. I know, and I just want her parents to be alive when this arrest happens. I feel like a lot of cases that we cover will, like, text each other and be like, did you see the news? Like, this one, so-and-so got solved or (laughs) so-and-so got murdered. So I'm really hoping the Dina one is next. Larry Dean released this statement just two years ago saying, quote, I'm seeking justice and that's all. I just want to hear the judge say guilty, and then it's all gone. The pressure, the sadness, everything is over with. Yes, I'm still going to remember, Dina. I'm still going to put flowers out at the cemetery, but that's 20 years of fighting that will be over with. Mm. Oh, gives me chills. I know. I just want to give him a hug. Well, guys, that was a super sad story of Dina Dean. We really hope uh, that the Dean family gets justice for their baby girl. Totally. Thank you guys for joining us today. Please head over to wherever you're listening to us now and leave us a five-star review. We hope you all have a safe weekend, and we will see you all back here next week for some new true crime. Bye, Bye guys. guys.